I'm going to read a quote to you, and I want you to be, uh, think, if you know any history, actually, you don't even need to know history to know this person, tell me who you think this quote is about. This man is finally going to restore his country. He is a great man who loves all peoples. Hitler, one thought. Any other thoughts? It is about Hitler. That was said, I was very impressed. I was like, (laughs) no one's going to get this. That was a quote by an English politician at the time who was looking at Germany and saying, and thinking the country's in ruin. He was talking about how terrible a state the country was in and looked at Hitler and said, awesome, this guy's going to do great things for his country. Now, as we know, that's not exactly what Hitler was like. It's quite possible, if you don't look too closely at a person, to misunderstand what they're actually about. Now, if this guy had actually looked closely at Hitler and things that he'd said and written, he would have been able to tell what Hitler was actually like. But he didn't. We need to look closely at people to know exactly what they're like. And out of all the people in history, one of the people that we need to do that the most for, arguably the person we need to do that the most for, is Jesus. Now, Jesus because no one really thinks that about Hitler anymore, well, a few very small group do, but not really anybody thinks that about Hitler anymore, but Jesus is one of the most divisive characters in history. He's a real person, but he's one of those, the most divisive people who's ever existed. People have a range of different opinions on him, and it's important to work out what he was actually on about. But to do that, let's jump into this passage again. So keep Mark chapter 1 open. Now, just to go for a bit of a flow of what happened through that passage, uh, first up, just before what we saw, Jesus uh, calls his first disciples, his first followers, so he calls a group of people, they start following him. Uh, Then you see in verse 21, Jesus goes into one of the synagogues, which is kind of like a Jewish church thing, and just starts preaching. While he's up there, a guy who has a what's called an impure and unclean spirit, depending on what Bible translation you got, a guy who's got an impure spirit comes into the synagogue and starts just causing a ruckus and going off. And so Jesus heals this guy. He removes the impure spirit from him while he's been preaching. And after he does that, people start to think, okay, this guy can do some healing. And so straight after that, he goes and one of his followers... Peter, his mother-in-law is sick, and so he goes and he heals her. Then from there, he heals many other people. And so, I don't know, do you guys know what the difference between an introvert and an extrovert is? I feel like it's one of those things that people think an introvert's a quiet person, an extrovert's a loud person. That's not what it is. An introvert is someone who needs to kind of recharge by themselves, So think if you, on Christmas Day, you've got 40 family members around, and then just at the end of you, just like, I just need to go away. You all need to go away. All of you. Just go. If that's you, could be an introvert. That's what Jesus does here. So he's had all these people come up to him saying, heal me, heal me, heal this person, heal this person. And Jesus is like, I just need to go. And so the next day, he goes and he prays in in a quiet place. But his disciples don't seem to really get it. And so then they come up to him and it's like, um... 
what you doing? There's all these people that want to be healed. You're going to get famous. You seem to be able to do it. Why are you by yourself? And then Jesus says to them, don't you understand? I need to preach. That is why I've come. Now, having gone through that, it's, it's important to make some observations about what we've seen there. So, if this is your first time here, or you've only just been coming recently, there's a lot of things in this that can sound pretty weird. And so, if you don't believe that the Bible's true, if you don't uh, call yourself a Christian, then you'll probably be reading that and going, okay, so... There's a guy with an impure spirit who runs into the building and then Jesus says something and the spirit leaves him and then there's all these people who are sick and Jesus just puts his hands on them or says something and they're healed. Nice trick. Why don't we just get him to be a doctor? We need to learn what his trick is and we should just get people to do that all now instead of having all these doctors everywhere just healed, done. Or with the impure spirit, you might just be going, well, what even is that? That, that doesn't seem like a thing. That's, this, this whole thing probably sounds like it's wrong. What should we do with those somewhat crazy things that we're seeing there? Well, the important thing to do is not to automatically dismiss them. Don't just go, oh, sounds weird. Probably not true. There's a couple of reasons that we need to be really careful about doing that. First, the Bible claims to be history. Now, it's not like this is Harry Potter. This isn't someone who's just gone, and then they did this, and then they said, Aloha Mora, and this happened. Like, it's not supposed to be fiction. This is supposed to be real events. Now, that in itself shouldn't necessarily make you go, oh, yeah, okay, they said it's true, it is true, because there's plenty of things that have been written that aren't, that claim to be true. But then you have a look at, well, how reliable is this? Is this book, Mark, and the Bible as a whole, is this actually reliable? And at uni, the thing that I did that I think I've mentioned here a few times is I did ancient history. That was pretty much my entire degree. I got a Bachelor of Ancient History. And almost all of the lecturers there that I had were Christian because they were 100% convinced that the Bible is true, that it is a real, reliable document. Out of all the documents that we've got from the ancient world, the Bible is one of the most reliable. There's so many copies of it, people have copied it out and sent it all over the place, so we can verify that this is actually what they said happened. There's heaps more that could be said about that, but what I want you to think about is, just because something sounds crazy, if you read something in the Bible and it sounds weird, don't just dismiss it automatically. If this is true... If this is a reliable account, and I'd love to talk with you more later if you want to find out more about that, if this is a reliable account of something that happened in history, then we don't just dismiss it, we need to ask questions about it. If Harry Potter was true, it would change you from reading it as a fun story to read to finding out how to get into Hogwarts. What we know about something like this changes how we're supposed to respond to it. And so we look at this and go, okay... What is this trying to tell us? What is this Jesus guy on about? And that's what we're going to look at a bit more tonight. So what was Jesus on about? Now, there's a bunch of different things that you can see through here uh, that you could say, well, maybe Jesus was on about that or that or that. And one of the main things that we see through here is that Jesus, as I said, does a lot of healing. 
healing people from sickness and from impure spirits. A lot of healing. And so if you just went by the amount that the healing happened, you'd go, healing. That's what Jesus is on about. He's on about coming to earth to heal people, to help people physically. And clearly he did that. But I want to argue that's not the main thing that Jesus was on about while he was on earth. He's compassionate, he loves people, and he's capable of doing it, and he did. But I want to argue that that's not actually the main thing that Jesus was on about. Now, put your hand up. I hope this is going to be pretty much 100% of hands. Who here has seen Finding Nemo? Kids movie. Who here hasn't seen Finding Nemo? Wow. (laughs) Okay, so everyone's seen it. Now, when you see Finding Nemo as a kid, you go, well, who's the main character? Nemo. His name's in the title. But when, when you look back at it later, there's this idea in movies and in literature of a decoy protagonist. So the protagonist is the main character. A decoy protagonist is someone that you immediately supposed to think is the main character, but then when you look back at it, you go, actually, that, that person's not really the story is about. It's really about this person's story. Nemo isn't the main character in that story. It's his dad and Dory trying to find Nemo. Hey, there we go. That's, how, that's what the story is about. His name is in the title, Nemo, so you think, oh, that's who the movie's about. Healing is the thing that happens the most right here, so you think, that's what this whole story here is about. But it's actually just supposed to be pointing us to something even bigger. And what that is, is in verse 38. So Jesus has just gotten, his disciples come to him and say, what are you doing? Everyone's looking for you. And verse 38, Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Now, I'm not sure if you picked that up as we read through the passage earlier. That is why I've come. Jesus said, in his own words, the reason that he's come is so that he can preach. And not just preach about anything, because preach just means to stand up kind of like I am and just tell people something. So not just preach about anything, but have a look back at verse 14. So, verse 14, after John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Proclaiming is a word similar to to preach. So, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and into verse 15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, if you've been around here for a little while, you might go, oh, cool, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. But that's one of those sentences that, okay, we've found out what Jesus is preaching about, we've found out what he said his main thing is, and this is what he's preaching. But just because we know that doesn't mean we actually understand what he's preaching. Now, I, for New Year's Eve, I have the same New Year's resolution every year. I don't think New Year's resolutions are that good, but I have this one every year because I keep trying to do it. I keep trying to learn Spanish. I've been trying to do it since year 11, which was over 10 years ago now. I've been trying to, yeah, I've been trying to learn Spanish. And every year I try and I get a little bit further, but not that much. And so this year I got Duolingo. It's this app that teaches you how to 
learn a language slowly. It's a really awesome thing. It really helps. But what I've been noticing is that sometimes there's these ideas in Spanish that even after I've translated it, it doesn't make any more sense to me. So it'll say, yo como tamales. I was like, oh, cool. I know what that means. That means I eat tamales. What are tamales? <laughs> I have no idea what that's saying. That's a little bit what like, is going on here. You read this and you go, oh, cool. Jesus is on about saying the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. What does that even mean? I know what he's saying. What am I supposed to take from that? So let's look at each of them bit by bit. This is what Jesus is preaching. This is what he's on about. The first bit, the time has come. Now, this hasn't been a huge thing lately, but there's been a big history of like political parties saying things like this. They, they'll say, the time, <clears throat> sorry, <laughs> the, time is, the time is now. And like finally, it's happening. And things like that, which are their big slogans, which they'll get everyone to rally behind. And everyone goes, yes, the time is now. And people don't even really know what that means, except... Things need to change, and so they're going to change. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying things are going to change. The time has come. And it's a little bit like what the political parties are doing. The political parties, whenever they use a slogan like that, are going, well, people are really annoyed. They're annoyed at whatever government's in now. doesn't matter which side. The other side will say, the time is now. And it'll just, people will think, ah, finally, things are going to change from whatever is happening that I don't like at this moment. Jesus is saying there are problems with this world, there are problems right now, the time has come. But Jesus isn't just trying to usher in like a new political party, he's not trying to be just the next big thing in ancient Jerusalem. He says the kingdom of God has come near. So he is bringing in like a new political party sort of thing. But it's even bigger than that. It's not just liberal, labor, communist, whatever it is. Not that that's our third party. But (laughs) the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God. So much bigger than all of those other parties that we see. This is something of God himself. He is saying, you've had all these different people rule you, The Jews here had been ruled by so many different people. And Jesus is saying, a time is coming when God's kingdom is going to rule. So, how are you supposed to get into that kingdom? What am I supposed to do? That last verse, that last sentence there, repent and believe the good news. Now, repent is a really Christian-y word. And so, a bunch of you will know what it means, but if you don't, Repent is pretty much just when you're going one way and you're walking in that direction and you turn around and you start walking the other direction. That's just repenting. It's just a 180. It's a U-turn. That's what Jesus is saying here. He says, repent, turn around, stop living the way that you've been currently living, stop living for yourself, turn around and start living for God. With God as your king, and believe the good news. Trust in the one that God has promised. We heard a bit about that last week, that God has promised a new king, and that's Jesus. Jesus is standing up, and he is on about preaching that his new kingdom, the kingdom where you can now trust in Jesus, where you can be right with God, under God's rule, 
is coming. Now, a bunch of times, Jesus' followers misunderstand what he's saying. They think he is talking about a political party, a new revolution that's going to happen and they're going to overthrow the Romans and they'll be free. They constantly misunderstand it, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about something more than just here and now, more than just healing, but something of eternity. He's not talking about physical sickness being healed. He is talking about our eternal sickness, the fact that all of us have turned away from God, rejected him and said, we, we don't actually need you, saying that can be healed. You can now be living as part of God's kingdom, as one of God's people. That's why Jesus came, to tell people that finally that was possible and that all of that would be possible through Jesus. Now, because this is a book unlike any other book, it's a book not like any of the books that you might read at school, because this book, more than anything else, demands that we do something about it. This book here, Mark, the Bible, demands that we do something in response to it. Because if this is true, if Jesus is real, if he is a real person in history... And not only that, but he is the God that his claim to be come to bring in this new kingdom, then we actually need to do something about that. We can't just keep living our lives and pretend this is fiction. We can't just pretend that this doesn't mean anything for us. We need to listen to what Jesus is saying, and that's going to affect everything. The biggest thing that I want you to make sure you do tonight, no matter where you're at with Jesus, is make sure you don't misunderstand him. Jesus isn't a nice guy who is on about teaching us a good way to live and about just modelling to us a nice life. If Jesus was on about living a nice life, he wouldn't have been murdered horrifically. That's not what happens to a nice guy. Jesus is on about people coming to know, about you and I coming to know that he is actually God And we need to turn from living for ourselves to having him as our God and trusting him. If you've never done that before, if you've never said, okay, actually, yeah, Jesus is real, I need to trust him, then I challenge you, what is stopping you? I want you to, after I'm finished, have a think, write down, what is stopping you? Are there any questions you've got? Do you need to just make sure that this is real? Because don't believe it just because I'm saying it up the front and you go, oh, some guy said it from the front, so that must be exciting. Actually look into the history of it. Actually look into how how real and authentic this is. But what is stopping you? Because if, if it is true, nothing should stop you. Work out what that is that's... yeah, what questions you've got. Talk to your leader. Come chat to me, Jono, Mike, Sarah. We'd love to help you answer those questions. But if you're in the boat where you've actually been sitting here for a while and you've heard these things and you've gone, well, no, you've answered that for me before. So-and-so answered that for me before. Actually, I don't really have any questions left. Turn, repent, and trust in Jesus. 
if you've got nothing, no reason that you think, oh, no, it's not real, what's stopping you? And I know for a bunch of you, you have been here and haven't yet made any decision because you're waiting and you're hanging out. Make a decision. And if you are someone who does currently trust in Jesus, I want you as well to not misunderstand him. Jesus was a compassionate guy. He cared for those physically around him who were hurting. Even though he was on about this big mission that he had to tell people about himself. So I don't want you to think, well, I'm going to just preach the gospel to that person over there who's dying, but I'm not going to help him because that's not what Jesus did. No, Jesus did. Jesus was on about helping people physically. But so much more than that. Jesus was on about people knowing who he is. I want you after this as well to have a think. Think of one person, one person that you could this week tell about Jesus. If you're convinced this is true and you currently trust Jesus, who can you tell about him this week? We all need to know this. Everyone you've ever known needs to know and trust in this. Who can you be telling this week? I'm going to pray and uh, then we'll sing to the, to the God that we've been hearing about. So why don't you pray with me and have a think about some of that stuff after. Father God, thank you so much that we do have evidence that Jesus was real. Father, thank you so much that we can trust in your word in the Bible And Father, I pray that you'd be helping us to really dig into it. And Father, even more that I pray pray that you would be helping us to not misunderstand Jesus. Help us to not just uh, have a Bible or have read it tonight, but help us to actually read it and understand it. And Father, I pray that you'll help us all to not misunderstand Jesus for who he is. And Father, I pray that you'll be helping all of us here tonight to continue or for the first time start putting our trust in Jesus. And Father, I pray that in your son's name. Amen.